Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Gorsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are here to preview the Titans' matchup on Sunday at home at Nissan Stadium against the Philadelphia Eagles. But before we get into previewing that game, we've had some, uh, some breaking Titans news over the last day or two. Um, we just want to go ahead and release a statement. Uh, we're going to talk about the players uh, that are here, that are on the team. So, so moving on from that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about Rashard Matthews. Um, to say this came out of nowhere is simply just not really true. And, and I give Will a lot of, of credit because if he for like a year, almost the entire time we've done this podcast, which we've done it for about 13, 14 months at this point, Will has been the Rashard Matthews truther. He has for a long time, prophesied a Rashard Matthews <laughs> trade. And while that didn't happen, Robinson said on, on Thursday that it almost did. Uh, so, Will, we give you some credit for that. But Rashard Matthews gave up on this team. I have some thoughts, but I, I, I want you guys to share yours first. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Um while, like you said, it wasn't really all that surprising because we've seen like so, just some weird stuff with him in the past, um, whether it was him deactivating his Twitter account um, and he, he constantly got into, n- not arguments, but discussions surrounding the, the NFL anthem protests, particularly on Twitter, and then he just deletes his account. Um, it, it was just very strange. Um, and, uh, last year he missed a whole preseason game against the Panthers, uh, due to personal reasons. Um, and, and I don't want to comment on, on a guy's personal life, but it, 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 it I read somewhere that even during his time in Miami, uh, he whined, uh, whenever they brought in new receivers. Um, and now that he, he, he just wanted asked for his release from the team, uh, citing a lack of playing time and a lack of targets, if all of that is true, it's just it's a shame because he really is a good player and he brought a lot to this team. But if you're not fully invested in this team and fully invested into helping the team in any way possible, then you can leave because it, it, it's a joke. I, I mean, we thought the Vontae Davis thing was a joke retiring at halftime. Uh, this isn't well, as bad. Yeah, it's not as bad. It's not. It's not as bad. That that would have been absolutely absurd, but this is this is just as heartbreaking, and it's just it, it is what it is, uh, and we just have to go forward with the players that we have. Yeah, um, I, I wrote a like thousand word article today about this. 
Rashard Matthews was a really good receiver uh, for the two years he was with the Titans, if you don't include this. Uh, it's got nothing to do with that. Like, everybody needs to respect that and appreciate that. And, you know, when we remember him, don't remember ju- just this. But it, it really was a bad way to leave. Like, it tarnishes two years of really good work where well, he well, – Will, he got – his production got worse every year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That That is the hot take. It got worse. <laughs> it went down that one year. Um but it, it, it's, it sucks because, you know, he was gearing up to be this small era's uh, Nate Washington, like a tough wide receiver who wasn't especially fast, wasn't especially big, but was really solid and fundamentally sound and was the one guy that for two years announcers would know who, who he was. Like usually it's getting better now that the Titans are really invested in the position, but there would be years where – the announcers would, you could tell they were looking at their flip cards trying to figure out the names of the players because they just didn't know any of the Titans' skill position players. So it was nice to have him and DeMarco Murray and really have them on board to kind of turn the ship around. But for it to end like this is just re- really a shame. And I know he cites, you know, it's a business decision and I wasn't getting my reps. They gave him an extension and offered to pay him, you know, wide receiver two money. Like, it, how is it a business decision for a 29-year-old receiver who would be 30 next year to go out into free agency at this point in the year when you've got essentially $8 million guaranteed next year? It's, I think it's a bad decision. I hate it for him because I think it's burning a bridge. He really didn't need to, but, you know, here we are. So here's my thing. One of the things he said when he was cut was, or when he asked to be cut, was that they used his injury as an excuse to lower his playing time. That's just not. That's just not true. It can't be. I mean, he missed all of training camp. They've played three games, and. How many more receiving yards does like you know, Corey Davis have than him? Not much. So yeah. if he if his problem was that he was not considered this team's number one receiver, number one, as you've kind of alluded to, Will, I don't know where he is going to be a number one receiver at this point, especially after pulling this stunt. Number two. He was the Titans' number one receiver. It was just it, it takes some time to get back into the flow of things, and also the Titans have been throwing the ball the last three weeks because everyone's hurt. Clearly, surely he can understand that. I don't know. I I just I don't know if he during the off season had done this, I wouldn't mind as much. I probably wouldn't mind at all, honestly. If he had done it. If this was the last year on his contract and he had done this, I would not have minded as much. But when you sign a contract in the NFL, you don't quit a month after you sign the contract. Like, that's just, I don't want to call it bad PR because it's not bad PR, but it doesn't make you look good. It's, it's not a good look. And I think at the end of the day, that's my biggest issue with this is the fact that he signed the contract. Not that I'm trying to be a dad and say, you know, oh, you make a commitment. You've got to fulfill your – no, it's not that. This is a 
these are professional football players. The team can cut them at any point. I don't know. It's just a bad look to sign a contract extension, get your bonus, and then quit. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, we're not talking about him giving up on the field and like being lazy, literally quitting. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not gonna, trying to attack his character or what what he brought um, to us on the field through these three games. Uh, but I, I agree. Well, I want to go back to your point that no one was getting volume in this offense. We were playing with Blaine Gabbert, who we've seen how limited he is. Uh, and, and then we were playing with an injured Marcus Mariota, and we were throwing the ball like 20 times a game. Uh, maybe he just wants to go to a team where they're throwing the ball 50 times a game, but I, quitting in the middle of the season isn't exactly going to get you to a top-level passing offense so, because they're just not going to want you la- at all. Last kind of thing about Rashard before we need to move on, and and as Vrabel said, talk about players that are on the team. What, what do you think about Indianapolis as a potential fit for him? Because that's a team that is totally, I can't think of the word, just depleted at the wide receiver position. They're terrible. They have T.Y. Hilton, who's good. But I think Matthews could go there, AFC South team. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Maybe if he wants to catch two-yard passes from uh, from Andrew Luck, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool for him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean – he he could go to Indianapolis. It'd be fine, but he would be signing up to play against the Titans defensive backs and the Jaguars defensive backs four times a year. Don't forget like, about the Texans defensive backs, Will. <laughs> they're easy to forget about. <laughs> um, but I by mean, the way, he just didn't he didn't look very good when he was on the field. By the way, I mean yeah, he did not look like he usually does, and he had a terrible drop uh, in the Jaguars game that cost us a, a huge third down. I will say that this in his defense. People keep throwing out that uh, the Blaine Gabbert backwards pass and saying that that was like an example of his lazy effort. And no, I, I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to understand what's so egregious about that. Like I watched it four times. I'm like, I, this is. It's. I don't have any problem with this. So also, it, I think when we started using him as a punt returner, I think that should have set off a, a lot of alarms because that was. What just set weird. off an alarm in me because it was confusing. Yeah. yeah that was <laughs> Okay, we, we need to move on. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to move on to our injury report, which is brought to you by the injury report that I have in my hand, not by any sponsor. Um, <laughs> let's start with the, uh, with the Eagles, and then we'll get into the Titans. Um, the Eagles have some notable players on their injury report, but uh, thankfully for them, a lot of them are imp- seem to be improving in their condition. Last week, um, if I recall correctly, there was no Corey Clement, Darren Sproles, or uh, Jay Ajayi. And it's definitely looking at, at, like at least two of those guys will be available for them on Sunday. As Ajayi was a full participant in Thursday's practice, we record this episode on Friday or on Thursday, so we, we don't know what happens on Friday yet. But again, Ajayi full on Thursday, and Corey Clement limited on Thursday after not participating on Wednesday. Um, not really sure about Michael Bennett. Will, you said probably good to go. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It, lo- it looked like he was sick yesterday and he sat out practice, but he's back now. The big, the, I think the big question marks are going to be uh, Jordan Matthews. And even if he does play, I don't know how much of a role he'll have just because he's new to the, to the team. Um, mm-hmm. 
But I think the biggest question mark is easily Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, full participant on Wednesday, no participation on Thursday. Definitely going to be interesting to see what he does on Friday and what his status ends up being. He's a really talented receiver, and if he's not able to go, the Titans kind of dodge a big bullet. Yeah, I thought I found it weird that Alshon finally got back to full practice, and then on Thursday just doesn't practice at all, but it wasn't due to his shoulder injury. They said it was because of an illness, so maybe he's just sick. I don't know. I never know what an actual illness is. Uh, but it, it does change a lot if, if he does play. He's very clearly their best receiver. Aguilar has looked pretty good uh, so far this season, but that's only really when he plays in the slot. When he's forced to play outside, he really just becomes a shell of his of his actual talented self. And, and that's what happened last week against the Colts, and he only caught four passes for 24 yards. Uh, and that's with Carson Wentz coming back, who, who, by the way, did look a little rusty. Um, and, and they use Jordan Matthews in the slot, but be, just because they have so many wide receiver injuries. So obviously, we would rather Alshon Jeffrey not play. And as for their running backs, Jay Ajayi uh, was a full participant today, but he's dealing with a fracture in his back that is supposedly uh, it, it's going to come down to pain tolerance. So that, that's definitely something to keep an eye on because that's not something to take lightly. Yeah, and Ajayi's had like different stuff for I think he's had knee injuries and that was the big knock coming out is that he didn't have cartilage in his knee or something so it was going to be so I don't know that that's that's a lot like that that's got to be really painful to play through um especially with his style of play like he's not just a burner mm-hmm. he's like he kind of has to grind a little bit first Alshon's weird um because he was full practice and then no practice which if you're a Titans player means you're not playing that's what we've seen in the past um, I'm not familiar with Doug Peterson's kind of practice habits, but if if I was seeing the Mike Vrabel kind of practice report, what I was thinking, what I would think is, okay, they ran him and he ran through all the stuff and then he didn't respond well the next day or he didn't look like he could go full speed. So, you know, looking at it as an optimistic, you know, point of view, I, w- I would say that that would make sense. If a guy hadn't played all year, and he gets like a stomach bug or gets sick on a Thursday. I don't. I don't know how much you're going to be able to play him. Like, what kind of shape can he be in? You know, can he really take it? Look at Rashawn Evans. Like, Rashawn Evans practiced essentially what two full weeks before he played one snap in a game. Or it, it just took a long time for him to get back into shape. So, and Alshon Jeffrey has notoriously had you know body weight issues before. Um, and so soft I, tissue injuries. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, it, I, if I had to make a bet on who I thought was playing, I would assume he plays. But I don't think we'll see, like, midseason Alshon Jeffrey. He's gonna, No, he's going to be on a pitch count for sure. Yeah. So And also, oh, uh, uh, yeah, they lost their safety, Rodney McLeod, for the season. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if we mentioned that. But that is a that is a big loss. He was their starting safety uh, and one of their best defenders so far this season. Yeah, lost him today, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he got yeah. did he get? Yeah. So it's not like they've had a lot of time to prepare somebody or give somebody practice. Right? So that's that's a big deal. Well, Malcolm Jenkins is is the big guy you have to worry about when it comes to those, those safeties, right? Of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's talk about the Titans injury situations. Or situation. Uh, 
No, we're not going to see Fluellen or Gabbert this week. Kelly, probably not. Uh, but aside from those three guys, you're probably going to see everyone out there because full participants in Thursday's practice included Ryan Suckup and Kamale Correa, who did not participate or participated in a limited capacity on Wednesday. And full participation for the second days in a row were Jack Conklin, Dory Jackson, Kendrick Lewis, and Marcus Mariota. Uh, Vrabel seemed to indicate today that Adore will be fine. He did not, he has not officially cleared the protocol as of any report yet. Um, but the Titans are going to be at full strength and they're going to have full uh, Mariota. I think the biggest thing, though, is going to be having Jack Conklin back, not just because they're going up against the Eagles' front, which is so good, but goodness gracious, what an upgrade from Kevin Palmfield to Jack Conklin. Yeah, no, no disrespect to 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 Pamphile Yeah, and, uh, and he, he held his own in his couple of games, and I feel bad for yeah. the guy having he suffered a torn pec and will miss the the rest of the season, which is unfortunate. But I mean, I'm not going to uh, deny the fact that Jack Conklin yeah. is head and shoulders above him in talent. Yeah, Pamphile also played through that uh, in the last game, so kudos to him for for sticking it out for the team. But yeah, I mean, Jack Conklin's an All Pro right tackle literally so this is a huge uh, a huge development for for the offense uh so that mariota can can really uh sit back there uh and, and pick out some players with what seems to be an improving arm by all accounts we'll see if that's true Vrabel said that he doesn't see them limiting the offense because of mariota's elbow injury um for the rest of the season uh, i really do hope that's true um, and th- this seems to be the healthiest the Titans have been since maybe last season, honestly, because they haven't been uh, fully healthy uh, or even close to it in any well, yeah, game. Yeah, they season. were missing uh, DeMarco Murray for most of the end of, uh, of last season. Yeah, yeah, so it- it's been a while since we've really been at full strength, and I'm very excited to see how this team does at full strength because we've seen, we've seen them rattle off two straight wins uh, completely decimated, um, they, they really grinded them out. It, they were kind of ugly, but the defense was playing fantastic. And now the defense is going to get Correa back, who who um, w- was really good uh, over the first two weeks of the season, was probably one of our better pass rushers. Now we get Kendrick Lewis back, who can give you some, some safety depth. And Adoree Jackson, who missed the, half of the Jacksonville Jaguars game, uh, should be good to go. I think he's going to clear the concussion protocol tomorrow. So... This defense that has looked fantastic is going to look even better, uh, and they're going to need it against uh, an Eagles offense that was one of the best in, in the league last year. Although they have been scuffling a little bit this year, they still have a bunch of weapons that you need to look after. Yeah, I mean, how many teams in the league get to say that in week four they're getting fully healthy when they haven't had a suspension or anything like that? It's it's really rare, and it's good because – the coaching staff found ways to do it with less and have progressively faced harder challenges. Now they get more tools, you know, to use. I think they'll be able to use them better. I think we'll see a lot closer to what we saw in the first half of the Miami game before uh, the elbow injury to Mariota. I think the offense will be a lot smoother. I I don't want to get into this too much, but there's been a lot of talk on national media about how run heavy the Titans offense has been and how, you know, they haven't scored touchdowns at a high percentage. I just, I don't understand what 
people want from the Titans when, you know, we're finally seeing them. Now they've got both offensive tackles. They're not using a fourth string offensive tackle. They've got their fourth edge rusher back. You know, they, they lost Delaney, but I, I just don't, I don't know what people wanted to see from this team, but hopefully now with, uh, I guess what you're going to call the healthiest roster they'll have, because we're not going to get Delaney back. Um, hopefully you'll be able to see a more productive offense and something that looks more like what a division leading team should look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so let's move into previewing the Philadelphia Eagles roster. And once we talk about their roster, we'll look more to, to matchups and actual keys to the game. Let's start with their, their best unit, which is the, uh, the defensive line. Uh, you look at their roster, the Eagles roster, and there are st- there are too many defensive linemen that are starting caliber for them to utilize on a single play. I mean, they are just absolutely loaded on that front. You've got Derek Barnett, Chris Long, Fletcher Cox, Michael Bennett, Brandon Graham. Surely I'm missing someone because they're just they're they're nuts, and so. I think what you have to do, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about keys. I'll, I'll hold back on that. But just stacked on the defensive line, the Eagles. It's insane. I'm going to be honest. I had no idea they also had Hello Dinada. I, I thought he was out of the league. Oh, yeah, that's another guy I'm forgetting who, not that good anymore, but in his heyday was yeah. you know, the, defen- the, the nose tackle. amazing. I'm sure he can still uh, give you some good um, – some t- some good two down value uh, as just a huge body who demands uh, double teams, but yeah, I mean Fletcher Cox is is probably like a top three defensive player in the NFL right now. Brandon Graham I had turned into one of the best pass rushers in the league. Chris Long is still doing it big even into his early thirties. Derek Barnett is seems to be taking that next step that um, that he kind of flashed in his rookie year. Um, so this is. This is really tough. I I don't know how you're supposed to slow them down. Um, They also, I'm not entirely sure. I think they rank, yeah, they're in the top three in terms of team QB hits. Uh, They have 27, just three behind the Steelers who have 30 uh, for the league lead. Um, But the Titans' uh, offensive line has been fantastic. They've allowed the least QB hits of any team in the NFL, and that's without Conklin and Luan playing uh, playing together so far, they've only given up seven QB hits, which is fantastic. And, and they've played some decent pass rushes. I mean, they've played the Texans and they've played the Eagles. Uh, and the Dolphins' pass rush pass rush has actually been very good this year. So it, the the Titans' offensive line is nothing to sneeze at in terms of pass blocking. I am more worried about the run blocking because they haven't really been opening that many holes, uh, and the running backs haven't exactly. Uh, been lining it up on their own and, and making stuff happen on their own. So I am concerned about that, especially uh, considering uh, the Eagles' defensive line and just how good they are at controlling the line of scrimmage, especially in the run game, particularly Fletcher Cox, who's just unblockable um, and ju- just seems like he can't be run at all. So it's going to be a, a tall task, but I, I have faith in the, in the Titans being able to to stave off that pressure for, for a lot of this game. Yeah, I mean, Jacksonville gets a lot of credit for being deep on the on defense and talented. They're really not that deep. Philadelphia is deep. 
you know, you really have to contend with four defensive ends, which is kind of the dream. Like, that's how you want to be able to rotate people, which is why, I don't know, for the past three or four years, we've been crying for a third uh, edge rusher, and we thought we had it in Dodd, and then he played, and we realized we didn't. So, I, I don't know. It's really tough to stop these guys. They can do a lot of different things well. Um, I, on the running game, I think it's going to be really interesting because – I don't think you can run right up the middle against them, but especially if you get a uh, Chris Long, Michael Bennett uh, defensive line, I think you can really run side to side on them, especially with our tackles. I think this screams a Deion Lewis game, uh, somebody who's going to really attack those linebackers, which is not their strength. So I- I'm-, I'm curious to see if LaFleur and Vrabel say, okay, what we can't have is Fletcher Cox knowing that he can just get upfield every play, whether we're running inside zone or not. So we've got to run him side to side and run boots. So he's got to keep gap integrity. And that way they kind of neutralize him with the scheme less so than trying to neutralize him with the players, which is what Malarkey would have done in the past. Yeah. Um, let's move on to, uh, let's just kind of talk about the rest of their defense as a whole. The, the linebackers in the secondary. Obviously, their strength is up front. But the rest of their defense, okay, aside from Malcolm Jenkins, and we mentioned the, the injury to McLeod, aside from Malcolm Jenkins, the rest of their defense is really nothing special. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, and it, don't get me wrong, the Eagles are very, very good on defense because of their front. But I feel like a lot of times we kind of get lazy, and I've done it before, just say, wow, you know, the Eagles are stacked everywhere on defense. But now that I'm kind of, especially because they're playing the Titans now, taking a closer look, the rest of their defense is nothing special aside from Malcolm Jenkins. I mean, Ronald Darby's fast. Jalen Mills is a poor man's Malcolm Butler. Uh, Nigel Bradham, there's a reason he hit free agency and it took them so long to re-sign him. It's because he's kind of a coverage guy and that's it. You know, I don't want to feel like you know, I'm, I'm talking out of my you-know-what, but I don't know. I just, the rest of their defense, aside from Malcolm Jenkins, is very beatable. Yeah, I mean, I think people have a bad habit of looking at one edge rusher, one corner, and one linebacker and determining if that's a good defense. And it's something we all kind of fall into, like the Cardinals. You know, they've got Hassan Riddick at linebacker, they've got Chandler Jones at pass rusher, and they've got Patrick Peterson. So on paper, they seem like they'd be a great defense, but they get torched and they have really bad games sometimes because really good teams figure out ways to attack, you know, the worst players. It, you don't see a lot of people targeting Adoree Jackson and uh, Logan Ryan last year a lot, it would be McCain or Sims or whoever the Titans' third corner was because that's the smart way to attack a defense. So when you look at a defense, I've gotten more accustomed you know, in the past year or so at looking at where the weak points are because I think smart offensive coordinators will put out the personnel and attack those weak links you know, more so now than in the past, or at least the smart ones will. So uh, yeah, they're totally beatable in the back seven. I, I don't, you know, Jenkins is good. He's he's very good. Ronald Darby is is good. Sidney Jones may be good one day. He's okay now. Other than that, I really don't see a bunch to be worried about. You know, 
if you said, okay, they're going to line up in two tight ends and run it right up the middle and they can, they promise that they can take care of Fletcher Cox. I mean, I, I wouldn't have any problem with it. Now Fletcher Cox changes that whole defense. So you can't do that. But I mean, the other guys on that defense don't scare me like that front line does. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, they're very much more vulnerable uh, through the back and through that secondary, uh, which really is a bit of a weak link. I mean, there's no denying their run defense is probably the top run defense. I mean, in terms of yards, they're literally the top run defense in the league. Uh, but they're middle of the pack in terms of pass defense. And it's because their cornerbacks aren't, aren't that great. Uh, Sidney Jones uh, was coming off a torn, a torn Achilles um, during the pre-draft process uh, about a year ago, um, and, and it's just really getting his feet under him. Uh, and the rest of their cornerbacks just aren't, aren't that great. Ronald Darby has, has been a bit of a disappointment. He does have some flash games, but he isn't very consistent. Jalen Mills is one of the cornerbacks that is the most burnable on double moves. Uh, the problem is we, we we don't really. That that's why I meant, that's why I call him the poor man's Malcolm. Yeah, Butler. yeah. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing T- Taiwan Taylor um, lined up on him uh, for a couple of those deep routes uh, in this game. We'll, we'll see if we bring him out um, because we the way uh, we used him uh, against the Colts on Monday night last year, uh, I think it was a double move that he used that Mariota hit him in stride perfectly. Uh, I think it was in the second half. So hopefully we can see a little bit of that. And then them losing uh, Rodney McLeod, who's their free safety. I think that's going to that's gonna complicate things a bit for them. Uh, I, I believe Corey Graham is the one who's going to step in for them at free safety. But I mean, mixing up that safe that safety pairing in the middle of in the middle of a of a practice week and in, in game week, it, it can it, it can mess with your uh, with your defensive scheme. So now that we've kind of talked about their defense as a whole, I want to pose the question that I kind of teased on on our preview episode, and that is, as a whole, would you rather have the Titans defensive personnel or the Eagles defensive personnel? And my answer is going to be the Titans. I mean, when you, you look at their secondary, Butler, Ryan, Jackson, all three of those guys are better than anyone the Eagles have. You have Kevin Byard, who in my opinion is just as good as Malcolm Jenkins, does pretty much the exact same thing. You know, maybe Kevin Byard can't play nickel corner, which is something that, that Jenkins does do. But he is like Jenkins that, that he's kind of the, the field general, plays all over the field on defense, close to the line of scrimmage, center field safety. And Kenny Vaccaro is going to be better than whoever they have backing up Rodney McLeod. Now, obviously the Eagles have the advantage up front on their defensive line, number one because of talent, number two because of numbers. But Jarrell Casey and and Fletcher Cox are very similar players, and I would much rather have Wesley Woodyard, Rashawn Evans, uh, Jayon Brown than Nigel Bradham and and whoever else they have starting at linebacker. What do you guys think? I agree with pretty much everything you said. I would take the Eagles' defensive front for sure. I want Cox, Graham, Michael Bennett, and Derek Barnett all day long. I, I like our defensive front. But those guys are just game wreckers uh, on a weekly basis. So I would definitely take them. Linebackers, I like our linebackers better, although I really do Nigel Bradham. Uh, and he was a free agent target um, that, that I'm pretty sure we've talked about, or at least we wrote articles about on Titan Size, that he made sense as an Avery Williamson replacement. Uh, instead, we decided to draft a replacement, and we haven't really seen what he's capable of. 
But I mean, I'd rather have Wesley Woodyard and Jayon Brown is his, his kind of coming into his own. So I'd rather our linebacker group and then the defensive backs. It, it, it's no contest in terms of, of personnel talent. We, we just have more of it um, and we have more quality talent, quality talent and more experienced talent. I think what it comes down to in terms of defense and why the Eagles are probably a better uh, defense than ours is just their defensive coordinator. Jim Schwartz is is fantastic at his job. Uh, I would take him in a heartbeat over any of the defensive coordinators we've had over the past couple of years and, and over Dean Pease, although I do like what Dean Pease has done. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty much what it does come down to. Okay, so uh, defensively, I clearly think I would take the Titans' defense. I, I don't think the Titans have great. That was the question. Do what? That yeah. was the question. Well, Would you rather have the Titans well, defense? What I was going to say is Matias kind of got me distracted about the whole defensive coordinator thing. Um, I don't know. I can tell you right now what Jim Schwartz is going to do on defense. I can tell you exactly where his defensive ends are going to go. I can tell you they're going to run wide nine some of the time. and They're going to get upfield, and that's just their game. I think the Titans are a little bit more mysterious in that just from a – you know, play calling perspective and for better or worse, that's, you know, that is what it is. So I, I really like what Dean Pease is doing. I just kind of wanted to say that Matias said that too, but you know, you can't really scoff at, you know, what this defense has done versus Deshaun Watson, who everybody swore was going to be an MVP candidate this year. And Blake Bortles, who is coming off the bet, one of the best games of his career against the Patriots. So, you know, all credit to Dean Pease. I love Jim Schwartz. He was a guy I wanted you know, to maybe be the Titans head coach. So I'm not, I'm not going to take anything away from him, but yeah, I mean, the Titans are beating, uh, the, uh, I said Falcons, the Eagles in like the three stats that matter. I think, I don't know the sack numbers, but I know the Titans have more takeaways and have given up less points. So, I mean, yeah, give me the Titans defense. I'm honestly a little shocked. I kind of thought Will would be the lone wolf with that one. With in the terms of one of the Eagles person. The Pro Titans take, or did y'all think y'all were going to like the uh, Titans more? I thought you were going to like the Eagles more. See, it's hard because you can only play 11 guys. So as good as the backup pass rushers are, and they are good, I don't, I don't value you know a four deep rotational more than a three deep rotational group and better linebackers and better defensive backs. So, I mean, it's close, but I think at the end of the day, it's just, it's such a luxury. And we've seen it week after week now to have three really good corners. And, you know, you, you, we can spout numbers that Malcolm Butler's gotten beat and on these blah, blah, you know, I've seen McCain play. I've watched what it looks like when Sims is there. It's different with Butler there. So I'm, I'm happy with this defensive group. I, I, there's none in the NFL I'd really want more right now. Hmm. Interesting. So let's talk about the Eagles offense. Start at the quarterback position. Carson Wentz is back. Dean Pease made the comment today that Wentz looks like himself. There were no limitations last week aside from rust. Uh, you're going to see everything that Carson Wentz has to offer this week, which is a lot. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I agree with Dean Pizer. I do think he's going to be a little rusty. I, I thought he looked a little rusty uh, against the Colts, too. If surprisingly, I, I think what he was, what he meant was like it's not like you know, he 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 has he's not limited as a player. Right. He might look rusty and make some bad throws, 
but it's not like he can't run or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we really didn't see too much of it last week. He only ran three times uh, and only got 10 yards. Uh, his yards yards per uh, per attempt was pretty good, uh, 6.9. So that that's good. Uh, but he did throw a, nice. a bit. Yeah, he, he did throw a, a costly interception against a, a Colts defense that is kind of overachieved to this point. Uh, but they're still they, they really don't have a lot of talent on that defense. And he took that, by the way, sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but that may be the only time for our listeners that they hear us say that the words Colts yeah. and overachieved Seriously. in the same sentence. Yeah, I mean, it's shocking. Now it's terrible. It's terrible. They don't own 35 don't, points. They've overachieved. Uh, my. My uncle uh, grew up in Indianapolis, and he's a huge Colts fan. And I was talking to him last week. I said, aside from Malik Hooker, I don't know that I can name a single player on their defense. And I can't. I can't think of anybody. I think, I think they... we're, we're going we're gonna yeah. to talk. Yeah. But Save that for the two the Colts podcasts we'll do this Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we have one of those coming up uh, relatively soon in the next three or four weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something can't like that. Can't wait. Woo! Anyway. About back back to Wentz, um, I don't know. It was kind of a mixed bag in his first start, which which is to be expected. I mean, he, he was coming off a very long layoff. Um, I I think the most concerning thing about his start was that he took five sacks uh, against a Colts defense that really doesn't get that much pressure on quarterbacks usually. Um, so I think and actually the the Eagles offensive line hasn't been very good. Uh, I think they've given up like a top five number in terms of like QB hits allowed, uh, which is really weird because their offensive line is usually probably the best unit on their entire team. So we'll see if they can keep Wentz upright in this game. And if they can't, and if we could rattle him a little bit, uh, I, th- I think we have a pretty good chance of keeping this one very close because Wentz uh, has really struggled with accuracy in the past, uh, particularly when he's being pressured. So if we can get pressure on him, uh, he's not going to turn to Blake Bortles, but it is going to force a couple of errant throws, and we've seen him uh, turn the ball over uh, a, a bit at times. So um, I'll be interesting to to see that matchup. Yeah, I mean, Wentz is really good when he's healthy. I'm not sure he's there yet. You know, it, we talked about rust, and, you know, I, I think he's rusty. Like, I, we've talked a lot about that with Rashard Matthews, you know, coming back. And then talk, I, I talked some about uh, Evans coming back, but I think that was uh, in my article. I didn't talk about it here. But players take a little while to get back into playing shape and to really remember what works for them. I would expect Dean Pease to blitz a lot early and really send a lot at him and see what he can figure out on the fly and try to move him off his spot and make him uncomfortable and maybe dial it back later. But I, I think they're going to be very aggressive, especially if Alshon Jeffrey doesn't play because, you know, you can give up a two-yard pass to Nelson Aguilar, which is what they kind of throw, but you know, you're know you not going to get beaten like that. And I think they would much rather get in Wentz's head that there's going to be pressure early rather than let him sit and get comfortable and get into rhythm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the running backs now. Um, it's such a weird running back situation. I've always thought that, especially last year when Blunt was in there too. And he, at the beginning of the season, they had Blunt, Sproles, and Ajayi. And I guess they didn't trade for Ajayi until after uh, after Sproles went down. But even after Sproles went down, it was Blunt, Ajayi, and Corey Clement. Just odd, you know? I, 
you just don't see groups like that. Like, Blunt and Ajayi kind of do the same thing. Like, they're both those – neither one of them is all that fast, but they're both kind of that, that hard to bring down power, hard-nosed runner. And Clement is, I guess, the pass-catching pack. But I don't know. They, they, they're a little better this year, especially with, with Sproles back in the fold and, and Blunt not being there. Still an odd group, though, and, and Jay Ajahi has yet to regain the form he had in his Pro Bowl year with the Dolphins. And I don't think he's going to re- regain that form anytime soon, especially with this with this back fracture that he's dealing with. I, I, Will said it before, but it really can limit you. I, I wonder if he's going to be hesitant. I mean, I would be if I was dealing with a back fracture, but of course I'm not a, I'm not a football player, NFL fo- football player. <laughs> But um, I do agree that it is a bit of a weird group. Corey Clement really wasn't a pass-catching running back at Wisconsin. Uh, he's, he's really more in the mold of J.H.I., but he's turned into, into a rather adept pass-catcher in the NFL. Uh, but he hasn't been that great on the ground. Um, and during, during week one, I think I saw him, he was just rather hesitant in, until he got through one huge hole that the offensive line that I could have ran through. So I don't know how much they're going to use him with a giant back, and especially with Wendell Smallwood outplaying him last week against the Colts. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it was no contest. Smallwood was clearly their best back. But we've seen Smallwood have some pretty bad games as a pro in the past, and that's why he was fourth on the depth chart uh, going into the season. Uh, but with Sproles out, Smallwood's gonna gonna play a lot. Clement's gonna play a lot. Ajay's gonna play a lot. They're just really gonna split time, and I think a lot of it's gonna come down to how much Ajay can take um, on his back. Um, but I mean, our run defense is fine. So I, I don't expect them to, ha- to have a big day on the ground, really. Um, and our linebackers have been pretty adept in pass coverage against against most running backs so far this season uh, because Avery Williamson is gone. So I'm not too worried about their, their pass catching running backs, especially since Sproles isn't playing. I would have been worried about Sproles just because he's so quick and, and it's really hard to catch him on those pass routes. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's really not a lot to say about this group. You know, Sproles is really good and dynamic, even though he's older when he has the ball. Like, he, he's fun to watch. I mean, JHI's fine. Like, I, I mean, Corey Clement's fine. Wendell Smallwood's probably slightly better than Clement. Like, but if you put Fluellen on this team, I think he gets 12, 15 carries tomorrow. Like, I, I just – I don't think they're healthy and talented enough at the running back spot to keep – a slightly above average backup running back from getting a lot of carries. So I just don't think they're very good there. Mm-hmm. I agree. Last thing with the Eagles offense. I mean, we could talk about their offensive line, but I don't know if there's much to say other than, yeah, yeah good. Jason, <laughs> Pete, Jason Peters, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, uh, Wisniewski, just a really good core of offensive linemen. And I will say this. In my opinion, anyway, the two best right tackles in the NFL are going to be on the field on Sunday. Ooh. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, I agree. That's probably true. I don't know who else. Sorry, Mitchell Schwartz and, and your annoying brother. On the <laughs> don't um, at me. He's definitely listening he has to the podcast. Before, though. He, he has added me. Remember? Tell me about Conklin. Oh. I, t- I, I always uh, help with tight ends. Like the- that nonsense. It yeah, doesn't happen everywhere yeah. in the league. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the receiving core, we talked about Jeffrey earlier and, and, and the challenge that that could or could not present. 
But let's pretend he's not going to play since we already talked about him. Let's talk about the other guys they have, which are a pretty talented group in Nelson Aguilar, uh, Torrey Smith. Uh, and there's someone else mm-hmm. I'm missing. They uh, don't have Torrey Smith anymore. Who? They don't have Oh, they, they had Mike Wallace, but he's out for the year. He's on. That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, the, the Panthers have Torrey Correct. Smith. That's right. Um, Jordan Matthews. That's who it is. Yeah. They have Nashville native Jordan yeah. Matthews. Uh, not that good a group. I, I would. I yeah, when you said would you talented, the Titans group? I was like, yeah, I was, I was like, I was thinking that they still had Torrey Smith. That's what did it in for yeah, me. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't it's, know. It's, I would yeah. I would rather have Alshon Jeffrey than Corey Davis, but I'd rather have Corey Davis and Taylor and Sharp than any of the others. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, you guys know how I feel about Sharp. I would take Aguilar over him for sure. But I think Aguilar and Taylor is, is kind of a push, to be honest, because um, Aguilar is good, uh, but so is Taewon, and Taewon just hasn't been used properly. If Taewon would get the kind of volume Aguilar has seen so far this season— um, he would be having a very good season production-wise. Um, but in terms of their receiving group, it's it's very underwhelming. Uh, it's Aguilar, Jordan Matthews, Kamar Aiken, and Shelton Gibson, and, and Alshon, who, I mean, he's very Shelton clearly their, their best receiver, but he's coming off a serious shoulder injury. It probably isn't in game shape and really isn't going to have too much of an, of an effect on this game outside of maybe a few catches and maybe one or two red zone targets. Um, I'm assuming we're going to talk about their tight end soon, but that's really the only worry I have because they have two monsters who are just have huge catch radiuses and they're just pretty much oversized receivers playing tight end. Um, and those two guys are Zach Ertz and Goddard, but I'm sure we'll talk about them in a second. Well, I'll just go ahead and kind of talk about it now because there's nothing worth sure. talking about with the wide receivers. Like, Alshon Jeffrey is good. An unhealthy Alshon Jeffrey is not. And everybody else is worse than, like, the players on the Colts roster. Like, that's that's really what it is. It's, you know, one guy who can be really good, like Alshon Jeffrey and T.Y. Hilton, and then a bunch of other guys are just trying to get to fit. You know, Aguilar's fine, and, and Eagles fans really like him, even though he was not good his first few years. But... I don't know. I mean, like, he's probably a guy who should get 700 yards, 600 with an average quarterback. It just helps that they have a really good quarterback. Uh, the two and three wide receivers should be Ertz and Goddard. Goddard did well run block another day, which is not expected from somebody from South Dakota State or South Dakota. I forget which one. I think it's South Dakota State. But, I mean, he looks he looks really good. Ertz looks really good. I think the Titans are the worst matchup for the Eagles um, in terms of that because you can put Kevin Byard and uh, Vaccaro on those guys pretty easily and have a decent matchup, and not many teams have two safeties that can cover and play the run well enough to play them like that. So I I think even if we don't see it this week, you should understand that their tight ends are probably one of the best one-two tight end duos in the league. But, yeah, I mean – if Alshon Jeffrey doesn't play, I think the passing game is really underwhelming. Yeah, it, it doesn't really mean much considering the tight ends they've played, but the Titans have been the best defense against tight ends so far this season um, in terms of production. So take that. But we've played Mike Gesicki 
uh, whoever the Texans tight ends are, and Austin Safari and Jenkins. So, not quite a motley crew of tight ends. <laughs> so, let's talk now about some keys to the game for the Titans. I'm going to start with, with my key to the game, and then uh, you guys can, can give yours. I think my key to the game is going to be running the hurry-up offense. Mm. something that I, uh, I asked uh, Vrabel and LaFleur about, and it was interesting. LaFleur said you know, sometimes when you run the hurry-up to try to wear down your opponent, it ends up actually having that effect on you. Uh, but I just think, I'm not when I say run the hurry up this week, I'm not saying it to wear them down. I'm saying do it so that you can keep their guys on the field and not let them sub, not let them get fresh bodies. Because, mm-hmm. you know, against the Jaguars, they only have four or five starters. The Eagles have like six or seven starters, you know? Mm-hmm. And you don't want them to constantly be having, uh, for lack of, you know, fresh bodies on the field, you know? My key is get pressure. Uh, Over the last two weeks, the Titans have been able to do that, and that's a big reason we've been able to squeak out two wins uh, just by dealing with a lot of injuries. And and the Eagles have been giving up pressure uh, so far this season, which has been kind of surprising. Um, And like I said, Wentz got sacked five times last week by the Colts. So I think if we—and the Colts were in that game from from start to finish. I think they were actually— where they, they might have been up, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I, but it was it was a close game throughout, um, and, and a big reason for that was they were able to get home very often uh, and sack Wentz. And when they when they didn't get home, uh, they at least got some pressure and forced the forcing completions from Wentz. So I think if we could do that, we can actually keep this game close again with our defense um, and possibly squeak out another victory like we have the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, my key to victory is out-coach. I mean, the Titans have shown that they've been able to out-coach everybody already. You know, you're at home. You've got your players back. You can show some of the stuff that you planned on showing all preseason but had to put in the back of your bag because of all the injuries. Like, now you've got your full arsenal. Run what you want to run. Be smart about it. Play to your advantages and find the weak links on their defense, which is their linebackers, and figure out ways to attack them. You know, I really think we're going to see a lot of those naked bootlegs and stuff like that to get Mariota in space and give him one and two man reads. And then if they're not there, run like this is a game where I don't know if you can ever safely say that you can out coach a Super Bowl champion um, the year after. But they lost to Tampa Bay and they didn't look especially sharp. They almost lost to the Colts last week. Like they had a fourth down in the red zone to go ahead by three points. But Derek Barnett came up with a sack. And when I say he came up with a sack, I mean he hit Andrew Luck's shoelace and he tripped over himself and fell. Like, if that's Marcus, like, that's probably a touchdown. At the very least, a throw gets off. So, I mean, they don't look unbeatable. They they really competed with Atlanta, even though Atlanta was hurt hurt and not really converting in the red zone. So, I I don't think this is a bad coaching group or anything like that, but – it, they don't seem infallible oh, like other uh, Super Bowl champions have felt in the past. So if the Titans can out-coach them, I think on a talent level, the, the Titans are right there with them. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So as we wrap up, uh, what's a, a matchup that you're looking for? Uh, you know, I would say 
My biggest matchup is going to be these Titans receivers versus the Eagles secondary. Because if they can exploit them as they should, then then the Titans offense is going to look pretty good. If they struggle and can't own their roles with Rashard Matthews gone, then it's going to be a long day for the Titans, I feel like. Uh, my my uh, did you say matchup? You said matchup, right? Yeah. Okay. So my <laughs> matchup is going to be <laughs> is going to be Kevin Byard and Zach Ertz. I think that's worth the price of admission. Those are two of the best at their respective positions in the entire league. Um, and I think the Titans could very easily get away with putting Byard on Ertz for much of this game. Kenny Backrow has shown to be a really good two way player, and he can just. Kenny Backrow. Is it Bacaro? Yeah. I think it's Bacaro. Oh, whatever. Anyway, he's been great. And uh, <laughs> he, can, he, can, he, he can patrol center field if you need him to. And I, I don't even think it's it's that big of a deal to keep Byard uh, on earth and, and closer to the line of scrimmage because the Eagles just don't have anyone that could stretch you deep. The only one is Aguilar, but he hasn't really been used on deep routes so far this season. And with Mike Wallace going on IR, they really have no one else except for, I mean, maybe Shelton Gibson. He's kind of fast, but he, he hasn't done anything so far in his career. Um, and our cornerbacks are, are great. So I, I don't really have any issues with letting, putting Bayard on Ertz for the duration of this game. Yeah, I kind of said mine earlier. Like, I really want to see Deion Lewis versus these linebackers. Like, I think he's just a step ahead of them talent-wise. I, I could see this being a, you know, 150-yard from scrimmage game from Deion Lewis, especially if they're not trying to force the ball to Rashard Matthews or anything. Like, I could see him getting – You think they're going to try to force the ball to Rashard Matthews? No, well, I think I – think- <laughs> They look to him as a third option. Like I think now they'll be like, okay, we've got two real wide receivers, and then look to Deion Lewis, who should have a mismatch on every play. Like I, I, I don't know. Like they, they were never going to funnel the offense through Rashard Matthews, but I, I don't know. I guess my point is, is that this is definitely a game where you get like six targets to Deion Lewis, either through screens or just on dump offs or whatever and get him in space. And then he gets 12 to 15 touches maybe as a runner. Like, I don't, I mean, this could be a huge, this could be the game where he really has one of those long breakout runs. Mm, Hopefully. Yeah. I definitely think that's a possibility. Um, I, if that's going to do it for us, uh, the Titans and the Eagles can play on Sunday. It's a new game, right? At at Nissan stadium. Correct. Uh, Good. It's a noon game. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed the preview. Be sure to uh, to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. You'll get the uh, the episodes right into your iTunes podcast app, so it's a lot easier. Um, thanks again for listening. For Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Uh, we will talk to everybody after the Eagles game. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.